Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everyone, before we get started today, we wanted to alert you to our two upcoming online events. On Sunday, March 5th at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. East Coast time, Kristen and I will be broadcasting via the online concert platform Stage It, performing all 12 songs from season one, as well as a handful of songs from season two. If you've never used Stage It, let me tell you, it is a hoot. You will be able to see and hear us, and you'll be able to ask us questions and talk to each other via an embedded chat screen. Tickets are $5, and you can grab one at stageit.com slash bufferingcast. Also, on March 10th, many of you probably know what March 10th is, but if you don't, it is the 20th anniversary of the first episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer airing here in the United States on the WB. And so we are in quite a festive mood about it, and we are going to be doing a free live streaming Buffy Watch of Season 1, Episode 1, Welcome to the Hellmouth at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, that's 5 p.m. Pacific Time, on Facebook.com slash BufferingCast. We're going to watch through the episode. The way that it works is you have your DVD or your Hulu or your Netflix or however you watch Buffy. We all queue up together. You hit play on your end. We hit play on our end. Uh, we You hear some of our commentary. We all chat together. It is very, very fun, and it is going to be a wonderful way to celebrate 20 years. Can, Hooray! Can you even believe it? 20 years! So we will see you, hopefully, on March 5th and March 10th, and if not, we'll see you sometime soon. Yeah! God, hello and welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time. I am Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And this week we're talking about season two, episode seven, Lie to Me. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every week for an original song written by us recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing. Lie to Me was written and directed by Joss Whedon, a guy we've heard of. (laughs) <laughs> and originally aired on November 3rd, 1997. And this is the one where Buffy is lured into a trap by a group of undead wannabes who hope that Spike will make them vampires in exchange for giving him the Slayer. Wow. You like the IMDb? They did a great job. IMDb rocks it out with their with their summaries. I would have said, this is the one where Angel gets jealous, Willow can't lie, Ford is stupid, and... Buffy well, is great. There's the episode. We can just, that's the, ow, yeah, ow. just kidding. <laughs> uh, so, wow. What a great episode. Yeah, this is a phenomenal episode. I have a lot that I want to talk about, and I know you do too. Yes, So yes, let's yes, just yes, yes, jump yes. right in to the opening shot. That where, playground. What do you call that thing? Ooh, it's not a merry-go-round. Th- that's what I called it, a merry-go-round right. thing at the park where you spin around and you use your feet and you spin mm-hmm, and then you hop mm-hmm, on and mm-hmm. you spin. It's a great, it's a great playground pastime. If you know the name of this 
playground staple please tweet it at us yeah. thank you at buffering cast <laughs> that's like 722 <laughs> mentions <laughs> everybody has the name for it um it's more fun than google you know yeah yeah um anyhow this opening scene i screamed you know if you listen to this series to our series um how much i am obsessed with west craven and this is this playground tool is in many a west craven uh nightmare on elm street yeah. That's where the little creepy children sit and yes. they sing, one, two, Freddy's yes. coming for Is you. Is there anything creepier than a, a swing swinging slightly at a nighttime empty playground? Um, You know, I think a couple of things. But but it's up there, right? It's up there. It ranks. Um, So the other day, I took a shower. I do that oh, sometimes. Fuck. I know. I have to tell. I have to keep telling people now. This happened to me and I didn't tell Jenny about it until the, that night. It happened to me in the morning. I was taking a shower and our bathroom is set up where it's like a stand-up shower, like little square situation. And then directly next to it is a bathtub. It's it's so pointless because um, you can either like take a bath and use all of the space or you can take a shower and be stuck in a little box. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, I was taking a shower. I turned the water off. And when I turned the water off in the shower, I heard water still running. And so I was like, oh, God, is there like a leak? Some It sounded like, you know, if there's a huge leak in your house, like the toilet is leaking to the floor below or something. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, what is that noise? And I looked and the bathtub faucet had been turned <sighs> on and the water was running. And I like, this is like a true testament to the power of the human brain because I was like, I must have knocked that. on with my body accidentally and (laughs) learned uh, very quickly when I said it out loud to Jenny that no it's terrifying I don't know what happened so that ranks up there with us with an empty swing swinging I think yeah also turning on by themselves yeah the chair that you're sitting in right now on what okay what about it nothing what oh the ghost that's in the studio yes Go ahead, tell them. Well, some friends you didn't of have ours. To start by being like the chair you're sitting in right <laughs> you now. You could be sharing space with a, a ghost right now. Well, I would be happy to share space with a ghost That's as long as it's nice. a nice ghost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So friends of ours stayed in our place while we were out of town, and after they left, they got in touch with us, with us and they were like, "Do you have a, a ghost?" And we were like, "Fucking not that we know of. <laughs> Why are you bringing it up?" <laughs> Uh, and they were like, well, every time we walk past the door to your studio, uh, we, we like could see a shape in the chair, the chair that yeah. Kristen's sitting in right now. No big deal. Okay. You've, I think you've established your point, <laughs> Jennifer. We live in a haunted so we have, house, I it guess. Isn't, it, I wouldn't classify it as haunted, but I think there's, there's <laughs> something. You're going to say I wouldn't classify it as haunted ass. Oh. <laughs> I mean, there's something there's something going on, but there's yeah. like, let's be real, there's something going on in everybody's house a little bit. Now I'm like f- f- going through my mind files of all the times you're going to be out of town in the next like oh, six months and I'm going to be here alone. Yeah. And ah. the ghost is going to be like, hey, remember that chair you were sitting in and make you feel scary. No. Anyway. We we get past this we get past this scene in the playground with the spinny thing and now we meet this child oh this my God. unnamed child who has one of my favorite moments in the entire episode because I think it's the first line we hear which is come on mom she's always late and it's like <laughs> thank you for the exposition like we've established <laughs> yeah. what is happening via yeah. this child's line mm-hmm. <laughs> So yeah, um, this child is alone, and then from the the gloom emerges, as always, a pure white lamb. 
Um, actually, speaking of limbs, I guess this is why I have the image because I wrote down the lyric of a song that her mother used to sing her. Uh. Run and catch the lamb is copped in the blackberry patch. Ah! Yeah, and then she follows her like rendition by saying she had the sweetest voice. (laughs) (laughs) I think either you're singing it differently or you uh, misremembered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, so Drew is just creepy as all get out. Getting closer and closer to the kid. He's like, I'm not supposed to talk to people. She's like, I'm not a person. Yes. Yeah, I'm not a person. And then she's like, I wonder what your mother will think when she finds your body. Come on. And then Angel, who we still continue to wonder, can he fly? Right. Inserts himself at, at light speed yeah. between uh, Drusilla and this kid. And he's like, run home now. <laughs> uh, yeah, who's scarier in this scene? To the, to the kid, do to you think? To the kid? Um, Probably I Angel. Drusilla. Really? I would remember. She seems unhinged, but Angel seems like. I mean, Angel is definitely like, I mean, the kid listens, so the kid is scared to the point of running from Angel, but I think it's more of like a powerful fear than like a haunting you for the rest of your life and your nightmares kind of a fear, which is what Drusilla right. I think, presents right, right, here. Right, 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 right. Um, and then I have to give, I mean, and I, I'm sure I'm going to do this so many times, but Juliet Landau, <laughs> are you kidding me? This scene between her and Angel between Juliet Landau and Angel. Uh, <laughs> but this scene between them is, inc- she is incredible. The way that she like angles her head up towards his face while she talks to him. And then please go back and rewatch when she walks away. Oh my God. The it look is, while she's walking away. It's unbelievable. Like I can't imagine, you know, a lot of times you're like, oh, well, you know, what a great d- decision on the director's part to like, you know, say, oh, do this this way and it'll probably be effective or what have you. And, and you know, that there's this equal shared space between like an actor and the director and how it comes together. I just don't believe that this had much to do with the direction. It just seems to like emanate from her being. Yeah, yeah, even if you, yeah. even if somebody said like walk away creepily, like I would never wind up being able to do what yeah. Drusilla does, Juliet Landau does well, in this moment. I think what makes her extra creepy is that she's rarely deliberately menacing. Right. There's always this just sort of like uh, detached, kind of unhinged. She's just telling Slow it like it creep. is. Yeah, yeah. Like, very matter of fact very, within like, her own universe. Yeah. Oh, I love her. And I know this is early, but I think that Drusilla earned this early. Can we hear the Drusilla jingle? Here it is. Drusilla, you fill my heart with dread And still I'm led right back to you Okay, so that was the Drusilla jingle, (laughs) and just in case you're wondering, if you're an iPhone user, that ringtone is now live. You can go into the iTunes store on your phone and find the Drusilla jingle. We're very excited about it. So good. Our growing catalog of ringtone jingles. Also, shout out someone, we retweeted someone um, within the last couple of weeks who um, tweeted at us about Drusilla and used the most remarkable emoji combination to describe Drusilla. It was like a bat, a dead rose, the witchy globe, um, <laughs> and, and, the, and the, I think the coffin, and one other thing. It was The like, dark side of the moon, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It was just like unbelievable. So shout out to you, human being. Way to go. Way to go. Nailed it. Totally nailed it. Uh, last thing before we get to the credits is at first when I watched this uh, opening, I was like, 
how long has this kid been waiting for his mother? It's like, it is so dark. It's so dark. But then later on in the episode, we learned oh, that sunset. sunset is at 627 now. So, you know, right, after school programming. Late. Yeah, sure, sure. I, I gave the mom a little bit more of a pass yeah. <laughs> than I did in the initial viewing. Uh, the two things that I want to say before we go past the credits uh, is Buffy sees this happening. Yes. Buffy sees uh, Angel and Drusilla engaged Mm -hmm. and they're very close and especially with her like head tilting it looks like maybe they could be kissing or something okay and also kind of always looks like she could be kissing the person she's talking to that's true right (laughs) and also uh the way that angel says hello drusilla Mm -hmm. it's like very formal and like very guilty Mm -hmm. um as someone who really like gets guilt That really just rang out to me. I was like, (laughs) yes, I know where you are. Yeah, you have a lot of overlap with Angel's ability to feel guilty. And as we'll talk about in a little while, I I, I noticed a parallel between uh, you and Giles in this episode. A delight. What a delight. Hooray. So, right. So, Buffy sees this setting setting the tone for this episode, which really orbits around lies. Right, right, right. And the complicated nature of lies mm-hmm. um that they're not black and white things that they're not always bad and they're not always good and they're usually somewhere in between mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but before we start digging into that can we talk about jenny calendar and giles <laughs> <laughs> because yes. so jenny calendar gets a sweet sweet burn in here in the opening moments of uh <laughs> of the episode where you know giles is so upset that jenny is not telling him what they're going to do on their date. And just sidebar here, they're very openly, like... Planning dates in school. Yeah, just like... Because I went to high school where two of the teachers were starting to date. Oh, my God, me too. It was like the hot gossip. Yes. Everybody was like, did you think that they're dating? Wait, were they... um, Was one of them getting a divorce, though? Ooh, I don't know. Maybe. Because that was definitely actually the situation maybe. at my school, yeah. which made it hotter gas. Yeah. Actually, I think you might be right. But regardless, it was like, you know, we were like watching their every move. Like yeah. We, you know, if like if he would come into her classroom, everybody would be like, ha, 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 you know? <laughs> so like, I feel oh, like. Kids are such assholes. <laughs> yeah. So I just feel like seeing them, you know, seeing Jenny Calendar and Giles operate in the hallways, it, it just seems like the students don't care. And I beg to differ with that yeah, assessment. Yeah, beg to differ. Students super care when teachers date each other. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Anyhow, Giles is upset because Jenny won't tell him where they're going on their secret <laughs> date. And he's like, how am I supposed to know what to wear? <laughs> and Jenny says, do you own anything else? Just so, all tweed all, tweed all, all the, the time. time for Giles. I'm picturing him going swimming, going to the beach, you know, in like, well, I guess when I pick, I, I was trying to, g- to think about like tweed swim trunks, but I feel like <laughs> he just wears a one of those like one piece black and white striped sort of like, like Jenny, if you picture a strong Jenny, man, what? I don't mean to take you off course here, but Giles does not go to the beach. <laughs> oh, yeah. Come on. No, but like what if he ha- has to for... No. Research. Giles, literally, he would go in his tweed suit. With a par- parasol? With a parasol, yes. And his and his fucking green mug, which we still haven't seen, but one day we will. One day. I can't wait. Oh, my God. I don't even know when the first appearance is. It's going to take us by surprise. I'm going to scream. I'm going to scream so <laughs> loud when I see it for the first time. Um, anyhow, so so this, you know, fun moment between Jenny Calendar and Giles passes and we cut to class. There's so much going on in this classroom. Oh, my God. 
Willow and Buffy are passing notes to each other. Your standard high school, you know, fodder here passing notes, except for their notes are like, was she pretty? Vampire? Question mark. Which is hysterical. <laughs> yeah. And Cordelia and Xander are sitting across from each other. Xander is wearing this like incredible red shiny oh my Adidas God. with the stripes down the side. I'm glad that you brought this up. I am glad that because I brought it Because he's up too. also wearing Salvation Army like plaid old man pants. Uh-huh. And I just wanted to say that I absolutely 100% owned and wore a variation of that outfit. That entire That outfit. combination together. What? Yeah, what a great idea. What Let me just wear this shiny Adidas jersey <laughs> yeah. with these old, like, herringbone <laughs> hey, we were grandpa re- pants. We were reinventing the wheel, Jenny. Right, yeah, that's what we were doing. We were we were making a name for ourselves, and it was the kids of the 90s. Yeah, and what like the a hell hemp, were they thinking? And a hemp necklace and oh, a pair yeah. of airwalks. I had many hemp necklaces. So me too. I actually, I adopted my cat oh in my God. 2001. I named him Trey after Trey uh, from the band Fish. <sighs> this is so embarrassing. And had my girlfriend make him him a hemp collar so there's some factual information about my <laughs> life and my past anyhow cordelia because i think the only time we see cordelia in this episode it's not a very cordy heavy no i think that's her only moment i think it's her only moment but it is quite a moment she leaves an impression she does she is defending marie antoinette <laughs> and what's really special is that she's uh, she's very confused She's very confused about Marie Antoinette and and what Marie Antoinette was about. And and Marie Antoinette is a complicated figure. We did some reading on Marie Antoinette. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot, you know, is it is it Marie Antoinette? Is it the patriarchy? Is it a combination of both? I can't believe you didn't shout the patriarchy. The patriarchy! <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was just so entranced by my listening speech. to you talk. Um but the one thing we do know is that falsely, uh, as it may be attributed to Marie Antoinette, this quote, let them eat cake, that Cordelia references by saying, I mean, she at least let them eat cake. Oh, my God. Is really underlining something here, which is, so the quote, let them eat cake, is attributed to, right, that the their, uh, mm-hmm. poor people in um, in France, it was, it was told to Marie Antoinette, the poor people in France didn't have any bread. And she was like, well, why not let them... Eat brioche then. And and like, first of all, I don't, I, but what we read says that that quote actually wasn't even really Marie Antoinette, blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh, but uh-huh. the context of it is is this, is that like, you know, she's so tone deaf to the circumstances of people living in poverty that it doesn't occur to her that they don't have bread because they are poor. She just thinks, oh, well, if they don't have bread, then give them something else. Give them cake or brioche right, or right, whatever, right, right, right. you know, in the translation it was. Also, isn't brioche just bread? No, brioche is delicious bread. Well, yeah, but it's like of the bread family. But it's fancy bread, oh, which is, I think, where right, the right, dichotomy right. Okay. is, right? Fancy like, bread. Like, oh, they don't have regular bread? Give them fancy bread. Yes. Like, it doesn't it doesn't occur to, you know, Marie Antoinette or whoever in this quote that that poverty, how poverty affects people. It's totally mm-hmm, clueless. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the fact that <laughs> then Cordelia adding a layer to this cake, ha, ha, ha. Oh, my God. Uh, Cordelia is misinterpreting that thing, uh, right, on top of itself, thinking, but she gave them cake, is underlining some of Cordelia's um, 
you know, lack of awareness around the situation in France at the time, the situation in her life, oftentimes. Right, 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 um, right. What, you know, what people do and do not have access to. And I think that is a really important Cordelia thing to just keep our eyes on um, because, you know, Cordelia, we love her for many reasons, but this, this moment is pointed. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wish we had time for you to read all those Wikipedia articles you read aloud to me <laughs> in the kitchen. Stay tuned for our side podcast. Kristen yeah. reads uh, Wikipedia articles on Marie Antoinette. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. So anyway, Cord- Cordelia, thank you for your presence, but we are not giving you a jingle this week. No, no, no. We need you to brush up on your history. Please. Just a wee bit. But also, well, I don't really know enough about Marie Antoinette to really posit something, mm. but I'm, I'm just wondering, like... Marie Antoinette was not the only person in power at that exact moment. She became queen when she married Louis the... Yes. And I think 16th, which yeah, I thought like so what too, you right? censored yeah. yourself okay. saying. Cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool. <laughs> um, so, like, why why doesn't he get the, the flack? Well, is it because of the patriarchy? Well, and that's the thing. That's the thing with Marie Antoinette is that, uh, you know, a lot of... It seems like a lot of things point to her really being the scapegoat, if you will, mm-hmm. for the French... like for the French Revolution, that, you know, when Marie Antoinette was beheaded, it was much more about the symbolism right, right, of right. That, that kind of processing, the spending that she would, you know, that she purportedly did and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and her lack of awareness and what have you, that she was really killed as a symbol of what was dying as a result of the French Revolution, which, of course, is tied into the patriarchy. Why not Louis XVI? Why not a million other people who are participating in this? But... Do you yeah. know what I think? What do you think? We are going to get so many long emails. <laughs> and I'm really excited. I know, because we, we like read two Wikipedia articles on Marie Antoinette. And we're like, well, actually. Yeah. So like, please let us know your thoughts. Yeah, please. I'm sure there is at least one Marie Antoinette or French Revolution scholar right? who, listens who listens to this podcast. Who's like, oh, brother. <laughs> and they've just been waiting for this episode. <laughs> they thought Cordelia was bad until we opened our mouths. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyhow... Uh, we have, speaking of problematic uh, things, we, Xander has some moments here. Oh, jeez. Ford shows up. Right. Ford, that's right. The, that's, that's the trigger. That's what prompts it. Mm-hmm. That's Xander's trigger. You know, we know by now that Xander loves Buffy and any threat to his relationship to Buffy, which he knows he doesn't really have a shot at, but he just holds out this hope, is going to trigger him to typically do some things that are kind of fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does. Um, he does. First of all, um, before Ford shows up, they're ta- I don't even remember what they're talking about, but he's like, it gives him a happy something. Oh, he said when Angel does bad things oh, or so, something. Oh, so similar context. Yeah, when Angel does something bad, it gives Xander a happy. Now, Gross. I don't know about you, but I would like to put out a ban <laughs> on anyone saying that gives me a happy no thank you well, we get I was just giving just cementing the example right we do get to see Xander dancing which I'm oh god I, it's like I, I hate it so much I love it yeah. I really do I really it's love so when bad Xander good. dances um, and but then but then Xander makes this comment um, after Ford is there and Buffy is kind of all over Ford it's, it's a little weird oh my god instantaneous it's, it's so it just feels like not her yeah because they're like immediately Immediately holding hands, and yeah. she's like linking arms. I had arms such with a crush him. on you. I moped over you for weeks. Yeah, it's like, we're laying it on really thick. But I, I think perhaps, perhaps some of the um, motivation for this is that she's just come off of seeing Angel, yeah, and Drusilla. So she's like really to make herself feel better. Out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because it doesn't it doesn't seem like Buffy at all. Um, anyhow, Xander makes this comment when they walk away. 
Uh, doesn't she know? Geez, doesn't she know any fat guys? Which is uh. super shitty. Um, super fat shaming of Xander, uh, and you know, and and falls in line with some of the other stuff that we've called Xander out on, and and that we've called out uh, more than just Xander on when it comes to. Uh, being crappy to people who don't fit a particular mold that you have in your mind of who Buffy might be attracted to mm-hmm. um, or want to hold hands with or link elbows with. Um, link so, elbows with. Xander. Come on, man. Yeah. Ooh, should we have a Xander shame jingle? Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. We have Xander, enough jingles. We have enough on. jingles. We have enough Xander, jingles. come on, man. Oh, man. Okay, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Um, also, uh, but also there's that great moment where Buffy has revealed that she, uh, while she was moping, she listened to the Divinal song, yeah. I Touch Myself. Yes. And 45 to 60 seconds later, Willow has an awakening moment where she realizes, oh, that's what that song was about. Yes. Which is nice. Which is nice. And, and th- this was very believable to me. I don't think that, like, I knew what masturbation was until I was in high school. Like, I didn't. You know what I mean? So so this yeah. added up to me that, like, they would be like, oh, that's what that song meant. In fifth right. grade, you were like, you know, you thought it was, like, inappropriate and silly and kind of sexy, but you didn't really know yeah. what it meant. You thought, like, maybe they were, like, touching their skin and, like, <laughs> dancing sexily. Kristen is, has her hand pressed <laughs> to her clavicles right now, just FYI. That's what's going on here. Uh, yeah, this is just making me think about, like, kissing your pillow right and like that thing everybody would do where you wrap your arms all the way around you so oh, it so looks like somebody's hands holding... are holding your back yeah exactly. and you're making out with them right <laughs> it was like what sex was when you were a kid if you were especially if you grew up in the 90s but unfortunately still if you grow up if you're growing up now people don't really talk about sex or masturbation or bodies um to young people and mm-hmm. so we're all just left kissing our pillows <laughs> Aww. And finding out later on in life that the songs we've been singing loudly and with passion have been actually meaning um, when I think about you, I masturbate all the time. Hooray! <laughs> um, so Xander changed his outfit for the bronze. He's now wearing a brown shirt jacket with some uh, contrast stitching, you may remember, from the 90s and now. Uh, and like a white t-shirt and some like regular pants that aren't plaid. Uh Better look, and this, this is this is this is the Xander, the jealous Xander that I like. Like I'm, I am <laughs> yeah. super down with, with the. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Like the you're not wrong refrain. Yes, like Xander, and that's and I think that underlines this point that like you can be jealous and have feelings and and actually be hilarious. Yeah. Yes. Uh, exactly. Totally. You know, this because is a great great moment. Yeah. Because Ford, of course, is like you know, oh, she, he seems older. You're not wrong. Cold hands. Uh, you're, you're not, not wrong. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> really, really good. Um, also, this velvet shirt on Angel. Oh, we were wondering God. aloud, did he wear this like last week or the week before or something? Or am I just... Maybe he wa- maybe he wears it in a later episode that we did a Buffy that watch That we did of. a Buffy watch. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was uh, thinking. That's what throws me off, actually, in, in remembering did mm-hmm. that happen already? Is that sometimes we've watched an episode forward and I'm like, oh. Um, but that that deeply patterned oh crop circle God. velvet shirt, you know, good gravy. My ex, when I started dating my ex girlfriend, there like probably a month or two into dating, she was like, "Can you help me clean out my closet?" And I swear, <laughs> I swear to you that she had like at least three of the angel shirts. Jen? Yes, listen, Jen called out Kristen's ex, <laughs> Jen, my favorite person on the planet. <laughs> She liked her polyester. She liked her fancy, like, buttony shirts. God. 
she was really holding, holding tight to that. But um, yeah, so so okay, so then Angel lies, right? This is when this is when we get, I guess. Well, no, it's not our first lie. It's our second lie because Ford has lied right, right, right. Um, to Buffy. Right, he said he's matriculating. And, yeah, lie, lies. Um, but we get this moment between Angel and Buffy where she asks him what he was doing, and he says, "I was, I did nothing. I was just home reading." And she's like, "Oh fuck!" And I got like a pit in my stomach in this moment because mm-hmm. I know that you know that feeling. I think most of us know that feeling of like when you know somebody's lying to you. Yes, <laughs> it's a horrible feeling. Oh my god, I just it just made me think of the jinx, the worst of ah. all, <laughs> the worst of all. Dear um, Lord, which I won't. If you haven't watched that, please go and watch it. It's it's upsetting, but it's necessary. Okay, anyway. Um, so this lie happens, and she's like, I'm fucking out of here. Um, she takes Ford. They go on a walk. Um, you know, whatever. It's like, I know this is a major plot point, but I don't really care about it very much. She slays well, a vampire. Well, I think it's important to you just mention um, they're just taking a nice stroll down one of Sunnydale's premier creepy <laughs> dark alleys in the warehouse district. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And Buffy realizes she has to slay a vampire, so she tries to distract uh, forward and asks him to go get her purse. Run, run. <laughs> and then while well, she's slaying the vampire, and then Ford uh, Ford comes up and is like, "What happened?" And she's like, "A cat and another cat." <laughs> yeah. Great cover story. Yeah, that's true. Buffy, that is really see, good. This is Buffy lying. Yeah, Buffy. and doing a bang up uh, job, and only to be topped soon by, by Willow, Willow, which oh we God. will get to. Uh, and uh, then Ford reveals that he knows she's the Slayer. They mm-hmm. don't get into any details whatsoever about it. Uh, why he knows what a slayer is, yeah. how he found out. Yeah. None of that, which No, it's sort seems of just odd. like, well, I was at your last school and I put the pieces together. It's like, mm-hmm. what? Don't you know how this show works? Nobody puts the pieces together. No. That's not how it works. Anyhow, so, later. So later in Willow's room, Buffy and Willow are on the phone. And this brought me so much nostalgia. Um, Buffy's phone especially Buffy's like cordless white plastic phone yes. that she has like cradled between her shoulder and her ear. It gave me all of these flashbacks to my ear, my one ear being like being like bright smashed. fucking red, yeah. so hot from having been on the phone for mm-hmm. you know just hours upon hours yeah. upon hours with my friends. Um, and then Willow, oh my god, laying on her stomach on her bed with her fucking fucking knees bent and her. <laughs> Fucking elephant slipper feet. Yeah. She's adorable. Flapping in the breeze. She's with this with this like ringer, long sleeve ringer yeah, t-shirt. Ideal, ideal nightshirt. So cute, Willow. Great so job. So cute. Um, and then who who comes to the door? A rap tap tap. Fucking <laughs> Angel. Angel. Vampire vibes delivery there's, service. Theirs is a forbidden love. Theirs is a forbidden love. As Willow says later. He has he needs her to track some stuff down on the net. On the net. He doesn't even know what he's looking for. Mm. Uh, but he's looking for something. Anything weird. And it turns out there's weird stuff right away. <laughs> when when Willow Googles. No. When Willow There was no Google. When Willow probably web asked, she probably asked Jeeves. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, Willow looks online at the school records and sees that Ford is not listed anywhere. Right. Um, right. And, mm-hmm. and, and Willow, this is an important, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of shit in this episode. This, this episode really contains a lot of important character moments. Like Willow frantically hiding her bra. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like that. I'm with you, Willow. That's my vibe. That was a total Jenny move. Yes. Uh, God forbid a person of any gender were to see 
The undergarment. Heavens. Of Jenny Owen Young. Jenny Owen Young does not wear undergarments. No, I'm I'm like a I'm like a Barbie doll under here. It's yeah. just all plastic, <laughs> plastic and smooth. Um, but this, but this, with real real life proportions, obviously, because Barbie is not real life proportions. Okay, you, you good? Sorry, enough? I just didn't want anybody <laughs> Do to. Do you think want to whisper the patriarchy and the patriarchy? <laughs> um, but Angel and Willow have this exchange where Willow is like. I'll look for you, but I have something to say. An angel being 241 is like, I know. You think I might be jealous and like, I get it, but um, but I'm not. And this is why I'm not. But he, he has this little monologue where he talks about the fact that he historically has not been a very jealous person. That for mm-hmm. the last hundred years, he really just moped around feeling very guilty. Woo, feel he, that. Feel that. Yeah, he really honed his brooding skills. I, um, well... Yeah. Oh, you don't feel that. I as don't much? feel that. I just feel like being guilt, feeling guilty, uh, not being jealous. Right. Yeah. Right. right, right. Yeah. Um, right. And then to end this scene, uh, you know, Willow's mom is like Willow or whatever, and she says like a Kathy cartoon come to life. Ack. She says the word ack, and I fucking love you, Allison Hannigan, for your ability to deliver ack via Willow. I mean, this is Willow. Right? Yeah. She's one of the only people who can say ack out loud and you're like, yep, that's yes. believable. Yes, exactly. That's 100% believable. Also, we skipped over. Um, oh my God, the Sunset Club? Yeah, the Sunset Club. <laughs> also the name. Uh, the Sunset Club, you guys. Yeah, it does sound, well, it sounds really like LA or something. It sounds like midnight at the Oasis. Where's the Oasis? Las Vegas? I don't know. Just that's, that's it what, just exists in you, a song. If you told me that we were going to go on a date to the Sunset Club, I would You'd just, be like, oh, do I need to help you clean all the polyester and velvet shirts yeah, out of your closet? I'd be really excited for the umbrellas that were going to be in my cocktails, you know? Um, yeah. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. 
So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Just want to mention that while Ford is talking to Diego, uh, he takes a pill that he says is Ritalin. Yes. Which we later, uh, I think, can safely assume is not Ritalin. Yeah. But some kind of medication, some kind of anti-nausea or brain cancer related medication. Mm -hmm. But also an interesting um, cover, right, that you're saying Ritalin and I think uh, another 90s. Indi- you know, like, this is a very 90s thing. Yeah. First of all, today, it would probably be Adderall. And second of all, um, I, you know, I don't know the I don't know the history of, of Ritalin and, and Adderall and ADD, but I do know growing up in the 90s that, like, that was a big fucking topic of conversation. It was like, it had to be a boom of sorts of when, you know, kids were just being diagnosed all over the place mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, with ADD. So just a just a little 90s nugget. Nice. Nice. Um, we also see the yes. Ford uh, mouth lip syncing yeah. this uh, vampire movie, which uh, we did some quick research <laughs> very, on. Very Home Alone, right? Very like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you filthy animal. Yes, like, yes it's totally exactly, that scene. exactly. But um, with uh, Dracula? Yeah, so this is, depending on your source, it's either a 1973 or 1974 British television movie, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm. But it looks like it's been more recently rebranded as Dan Curtis's Dracula because Dan Curtis directed it. And then in 1992, of course, the Bram Stoker's Dracula that Winona Ryder is in came out. So I think to separate it from that, they've rebranded it as Dan Curtis's. Um, just like quick, quick note. Mm-hmm. Uh, written. This film was written by Richard Matheson, who wrote I Am Legend, which, of course, the Will Smith zombie movie was was uh based on and directed by dark shadows creator dan curtis that's who dan curtis is he created dark shadows which i have very specific like three-year-old memories of seeing dark shadow like i think my mom was watching like it you were just three left. yeah like wow not like i was watching a whole episode or anything but right. like i remember you know seeing clips of it seeing the opening credits or whatever yeah and um Cool. Just vampire vibes. All these connections. Also, a connection that I didn't mention um, is that Ford is played by Jason Bear. Um, and uh, a few years later, I guess seven, eight years later, we'll see Jason Bear and Sarah Michelle Geller together in the movie The Grudge, which came out in 2004. Wow. I saw The Grudge in theaters. Yeah. I think I did too. Although I feel like I'm confusing The Grudge with that movie that where they were on the roller coaster and, and he like carved- Final Destination? No, 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 no. Uh, it's the one where the guy like writes in his chest Nicole forever. It's Nicole and then the number four and then Eva. Come on. It's a classic. I got oh, maybe it's The Crush. The Crush, The Grudge. Oh, I'll find out. I'll find out and get back to you. Post-production, fact correction. Post-production, fact correction. I was mistaken, dear listeners. The movie with the roller coaster and Nicole forever is the movie Fear, which was released in 1996 and stars Mark Wahlberg and Reese Witherspoon, not to be confused with 1993's movie The Crush, which stars Alicia Silverstone. You can see how I might have gotten them confused. There's sexy stuff, there's dangerous stuff, there's obsession. It's the 90s. How can you know? But now you know. Thank you. Anyhow, 
Uh, now we get to the my, best thing ever. Yeah, I think it's my favorite scene uh, with Willow lying. I love it so much that I recorded the audio so that we can all experience it together. Uh, here we go. What's up? Nothing. Do you want to hang? We're cafeteria bound. I'm going to do work in the computer lab on schoolwork that I have, so I cannot hang just now. Hi, Ford. Morning. Okay, well, fess up. What? Are you drinking coffee again? Because we've talked about this. <laughs> it makes me jumpy. I have to go away. <laughs> oh, my God, Willow. This is the best. Oh, that laugh. It's an incredible. She has, she has one of my favorite awkward laughs of all time. There was an episode in season one where she does this awkward laugh as well. Um that I remember, it's like when her and Xander have their inside joke, and oh, Buffy yeah. isn't a part of it, and like they're she's just hysterically. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just great! It's just great. Also, a treasure that you can't hear in the recording is what she's doing with her arms and <laughs> yeah, hands that yes. are like sort of clasped in this yes. like sort of circle, and she's like kind of nervously like gripping her own hands, but also kind of like twisting her shoulders so that she's standing like kind of God. like a triumphant. Uh, like Revolutionary War statue yeah. or something. Incredible acting, really incredible, good. incredible acting by Allison Hannigan with the sly. Um, and then, and then this is the moment where Giles uh, comes in and is like, but Buffy, I, <laughs> you know, is he's panicked because he might be taking a night off to have a good time with a woman that he likes. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, but don't worry, she has a beeper thing. She has, here's the number. Here's the number, and he has. If you want to know what it's like to have a conversation with my wife. Pay attention to the moment when Buffy says, go have fun. And and Giles has like at least three seconds before the scene ends where he looks at Buffy and then he looks away. And then he looks at Buffy and he thinks. And then he looks away and he thinks. And then he looks back at Buffy and then he walks out the door. I was like, that if that is not you, I mean it's 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 Jenny. It's that's the Jenny way. The Jenny way is the Giles way. Wow. So thinking. much me in this episode. Yeah. I I I see a lot of you in a lot of these characters. Um ugh. Then, fucking Ford and Buffy on their date or whatever, whatever the hell it is. This <laughs> is just first of all, Ford starts off by saying, "Is that more vampires?" Um, it's are those more vampires, Ford? Maybe you should talk better. And for seconds, he has a fucking steak with him. I hate this guy. Yeah, I don't like him. I don't like him one bit. I don't I, like what he's about. Then he fucking lies. He presumes too much. He, he lies. Corners this vampire and says, "Give me the information now." I, here's here's where I need to stop us, because what the fuck is with Fort? Like, who are his parents? What do they think? Has he run away? He, they have a sick kid, right? Mm. They have a sick kid who has left Los Angeles and is just gone and missing. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna follow the arc all the way through here. He he has found a bomb shelter to build a thing in. I'm assuming that Diego has funded it because Diego seems very huffy and is like the lease is up on this place, man. What are we gonna do after that? So uh -huh. like, I don't know, but I don't. The mechanics or the the like. The backstory on Ford is really shaky for me. Where is he getting the funding and where is he getting the information? How the fuck does he know about Spike and that he needs to know how to get Spike? It took the Scoobies this whole time to find that what Spike just mm -hmm. got. Come on. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't understand how this kid is so strong and how this kid is so knowledgeable and how this kid has just run away from home and no one is looking for him. Yeah. I just don't know. And then 
whatever. And th- I'm taking us to the end, and we'll talk about this in a more serious <laughs> way. But, like, then he dies and is buried in Sunnydale? Why don't... Right. Come on, you guys. Where are his parents? Where are his fa- where's his family or mm-hmm. anyone that he knew in his past life? Yeah. Just so... Anyway, Mysteries abound. My issue, that's my issue with Ford, um, the character. Okay, then we have Xander, Angel, and Willow together. Ah, oh, the dream team. So good. And this is this is really the first time we're seeing them. I mean, you know, with especially with we we've seen Angel and Xander have their thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Lots of sexual tension awards have mm-hmm, gone mm-hmm. in their direction. Praise. Um, but Willow has not really had a standalone relationship with Angel. Um, and certainly them as a trio, like this is this is new territory for them. Yeah. And it's great. And Xander and Angel have this wonderful uh, old married couple moment where Xander calls Angel dead boy. And Angel says, could you not call me that? So huffy. Yeah. The best. So mad. So mad. Xander and Willow not dressed for the Sunset Club. No, they're not. And that's how um, Chant- Chanterelle. Yes, Chanterelle. Chanterelle uh, spots them immediately and says, oh, you're new. I can tell you're new. Don't be ashamed. She's so sweet. She is so nice. Even when Angel is like, you're a fool. Right. She's like, have an open mind. This I'm really is sweet. But you know, here's this is a this is a triggering thing for me. This 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 is really like this moment to me reminded me a lot of conversations that like I've had with my extended family members. Ah. About things like, you know, abortion rights and so on and so forth, where like, and this election, um, where you know, they've been so nice, but also, ha- you know, because the setup is Angel is really mean and she is really nice. So you kind of like feel for her. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is that Angel holds the knowledge that she's about to, gonna, like, she's going to fucking get killed. Yeah. She has no idea what she's talking about. He's in touch with reality and she's not. Exactly. And she has this line that I wrote down. You don't have to be so cruel about it. Other viewpoints than your own could be valid, you know. And and it's a trigger for me because this is what everybody has fucking told me on mm. the other side mm-hmm. of the line for the last however many months. Hey, I agree to disagree. And it's like, no, you're putting me at risk. You're putting yourselves at risk. What is the what is the tweet that you loved so much that's like, about, oh my God. Yeah. D- can you say <laughs> what it is? Well, something to the effect of, I never thought jaguars would eat my face, with the quote uh, attributed to a woman who voted for jaguars eating people's faces party 2017. <laughs> right, right. You're like, I see that I'm in danger. I see that you could even be in danger. I'm trying to fucking protect you here. Don't give me this shit about mm-hmm. you. You're so, it's just a different viewpoint. Don't be so cruel. Like, there are reasons I think that, whatever. I won't I won't lose it over it but it was really I was like wow this is really capturing something here because she's totally clueless. She really she has no idea what she's talking about but she believes so deep like she believes yeah. so completely in it. In the lonely ones. And it's devastating to see the moment when she realizes that she was wrong. Uh-huh. It really is so sad when she sees Spike and she recognizes instantly that She's everything like, oh, that fuck. she thought was true is not true. Mm-hmm. Anyway, not to go off on too much of a rant there, but it was it was a very poignant moment for me. And yeah, yeah. the lonely ones. The lonely ones. The lonely ones. Immediately followed by this fantastic moment where Angel's going off. He's like, I've seen enough. <laughs> right. I know this kind of people. They, they've they made up these like fantasy stories about how va- vampires are friendly. They don't know anything about how vampires like really are or what they do or how they dress. Yeah. And as he says how they dress, a guy who has just descended the stairs wearing 
the exact same outfit as Angel. <laughs> so good. Sort of like passes between uh, <laughs> him and one of the Scoobies. Xander gets a big kick out of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good good moment. It's really great. Um and and you know something that I think I must happen in the next scene is really important which is that we know Drusilla. We've known Drusilla for a few episodes yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. But this is the first episode where Buffy and the Scooby Gang in general learns about um Drusilla and 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 about the fact that Drusilla is alive. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know Giles had thought her dead based on, you know, the mythology and the whatever, his books. Right. Angry mob in Prague. <laughs> what a, yeah. Angry mob in Prague. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, so I think that's a big deal. And, and Buffy sees this photo. Beautiful derogotype. What is that called? Wow. Right? Isn't that? I just, I don't know. It's one of those moments I think where, was, like. I think it's daguerreotype. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, daguerreotype sounds like it's a, a bad a bad picture. Right, 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 right. A picture that's not representative of uh, the person who is in it. Anyway. Um, she looks great. She, it's just a, it's a nice, it's a nice photo. Um, and we learn, and I'm skipping a little ahead here, but I think it fits with, with this. We learn Drusilla's backstory and as it relates to Angel. Yes. This is a big fuck deal yeah bfd guys um angel confesses or whatever you want to call it to buffy Mm -hmm. that he was you know he was really obsessed with drusilla her purity her chasteness um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that not only did he sire her but he drove her insane by killing everyone that she loved sending her literally to a nunnery Uh and then on the day that she was supposed to become a nun turned her into a demon yeah so this is important and this and it's important for a lot of reasons and it will continue to be important but I think it, it's clarifying if you're just watching now in terms of like why Angel would let Drusilla live in that moment on right, the playground. Right. Guilt, guilt, guilt. So much guilt. Like he knows that vampires are bad, but also he knows the reason that Drusilla is crazy and a vampire is all because of his actions. Mm-hmm. And and there's one of these moments and we'll talk about this more as we get to, towards the end of the episode, but one of these things where how do you know what is good and what is bad? Things are fucking complicated. Mm-hmm. Drusilla is not just evil. Drusilla had a life. She had everyone that she loved taken away from her. She, you know, like it's complicated. Yeah, it's really complicated. You know what else is complicated? What else? The back door of the Summers house is always cracked. It is. It's always it's true. Open. <laughs> Listen, I live in Southern California, and everyone's like, "Oh, there's no bugs compared to the East Coast." Whatever. There's not like. Uh, a never-ending cloud of mosquitoes that you have to like wade through, say, in the summer. Right. But if we leave the door of our house open... One loud fly always gets in. Immediately. Immediately. So there's... I'm not buying the summer's house leaving the door cracked, especially when it's dark outside. Especially with that fruit bowl. It's light inside. <laughs> the fruit bowl. Can we talk about the fruit bowl for One just a hot second? One of every... It's like the One of half of a fruit arc. Yeah. It's like... They were like, what should we put? The, the like set designer was like, we need a fruit bowl. Should it be bananas, apples, pears, kiwis? And they were like, put one of everything. <laughs> just go for it. <laughs> um, also, let us not forget that oh my God. in the library scene, it is revealed what Giles has been doing with his time this evening with Jenny Callender. <laughs> he has been at a fucking monster truck rally. Hell yeah. Whoever you are, if it was you, Joss, I give you all the credit. If it was another writer in the room, whoever it was who was like, I know. That's exactly what Jenny Callender wants to do in her spare time. And it's exactly where every single person who watches this show wants to imagine Giles. (laughs) 
you know it's just great yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and and then and so giles so if it's okay we'll go back to the library for a yeah yeah right it's because giles is right monster trucks drusilla we see the picture but then this vampire who ford has said he has killed runs through the library steals a book and runs out the library. <laughs> but by the way, the library has so many ways to get in and yeah, out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they should work on that. You know, they know what they're up against. Don't you think? Yeah, narrow should... down the ins and outs. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but Giles is incensed. He's so... My book! My book! They took my... They took one of my books. It's just... He's oh. so bummed. And I get that. It's so good. Yeah. It's so, yeah, I get it too. And you also know, Jenny Callender's reaction shot to the vampire. Oh, so dramatic. So dramatic. Um, speaking of dramatic, I believe we mm. then go to, to Spike's lair or whatever we're calling it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, Drusilla is <laughs> talking to this bird. <laughs> just, if I hadn't already given her the jingle earlier, we'd give it to her again right now because she just wants the bird to live. Why is the bird not talking to her? Why is the bird um, not standing up on its two little bird feet? Uh-huh, uh-huh. She doesn't get it. And Spike has this moment with her that is, oh, God, I love their love. I love their, you know what, then let's, maybe we should stop and do a sexual tension award while I'm talking about loving their love. Is it a three-way sexual tension award between Drusilla, Spike, and the bird? And the bird, well... I don't know. I think for it to be a three-way, the passion has to be felt in a triangulated way. I can confirm that that is not necessary. <laughs> for, for for what are you confirming? Nothing. Gotta go. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're not going to give us the reasoning, I'll just have to believe you. I just feel like... There could be three people, uh-huh. and in order for them to all earn a sexual attention award together, they don't necessarily need to feel Attra- the, the attraction to- in equal measure in all directions. Okay, and actually, maybe it, it adds to the sexual attention award that Spike feels a deep disdain towards the bird. Right, right. Um, twisted. Yeah, very twisted. Very Spike and Drusilla. All right, all right, Jenny. <laughs> since you've <laughs> since you revealed some personal aspects of your what? life to no. get us here to this no, no, no. sexual attention award, no. I'll, I'll give it to you and to Spike, the bird, and Drusilla. Then we've got mm-hmm. <laughs> this ridiculously bright, sunshiny school campus shot where Buffy's like, and Ford's like, doosh, doosh, doosh. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, Buffy, got any plans tonight? And she's like, none that I know of. And he's like, meet me. And, and she's the like, camera, the camera's yeah. spinning around. Just like, relax. It's a very, it, it, and I don't even know if this is accurate, but it reminded me of I Know What You Did Last yes. Summer, right? Which has just yeah. happened. It just um, reminded me of like any, like Scream, like any any teen horror. But like. that spinny camera move, because you know what's incredible about um, camera angles and, you know, cinematography in general is that if they had acted this scene and the lighting had been different and the cameras had been different, it would not have had that feeling at all. Like they really... The way they deliver the lines to each other is pretty mono not monotone, but you know, there's not a lot of like creepiness inherent in the way they're talking to each other. It's much more communicated by the camera spinning and the lighting being very and severe and the music, exactly. Yeah. Um but so yes, they set a they set a time to meet. It's like a showdown, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See you here at nine, except they're pretending it's date two. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But instead, mm-hmm. Buffy goes to the Sunset Club around six twenty five PM. And then the sun sets at around 627 p.m. 627. <laughs> Perfect. 
perfect timing. She should really think about these things. Like, you know, I mean. Oh, yeah. I know she's got a lot on her mind, but like she knows that she operates, you know, she has a particular, I guess she has school though. School really cuts into it when she could Mm. be doing a lot of this work Mm. safely because the vampires can't come out. Something we skipped over because we talked about Drusilla's backstory as a separate thing is this moment between <sighs> Angel and Buffy. Mm-hmm. This this is like a really good underline to the complicated nature of their relationship because they don't get to have, you know, the moment that many of us have in our relationships where we say, I love you for the first time. Um, and it's simple. I mean, it's never simple, but at least it's usually just rooted in being in love. Um, and this is not that. Angel says, do you love me? Because I have to tell you something. Because I have terrible. Right. And and Buffy says, I love you. I don't know if I trust you. So this is and like. he's like, maybe you shouldn't do either. Wow. Loaded. It's loaded. Yeah. It's, a he- it's a hefty moment, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's a big moment. I mean, I think saying I love, every, everyone knows, I think, that saying I love you to someone for the first time is a pretty loaded moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I Do you remember when I said I loved. Up, 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 do you remember? Up, do you remember? Up, up, do you remember? Up, 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 up. Moving right That's along. That's how it went, too. That was how it <laughs> Kristen was like, I love you. And I was like, oh, um, No, that's not true. She said, I no, love you back. Okay. And it was in London. Oh, my God. And it was enough. <laughs> enough, woman. <laughs> you're this all. Nobody's business. You're all welcome. This was so much fun for me. And I think so much fun for you at home. Um, that's why you wanted to include this. No, I didn't even think of the episode. I didn't think of it until right now. Oh, I felt it I, coming from a mile away. It was like, <laughs> how long is it going to take her to get around? If I can't? <laughs> and it's great because you can't go anywhere. You got headphones on. You're wired to the spot. I hate you. You're stuck. It's great. I have a lot of power in this podcasting world of ours. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, the other thing that I wanted to say about this scene, which I think is important um, in a set kind of way, is the scene between Buffy and Angel ends with this shot from outside the house through a curtain, and they're sitting at the dining room table. Beautiful. It's a beautiful shot, and it may be one of, it's it's either the first time or one of the first times that we've seen the dining room table from outside in this way, And, and that spot in Buffy's house is a very important spot. It's a very powerful spot, at least in my in my one time through the season. That's mm-hmm. like a very meaningful place. And so, you know, I just think establishing, establishing, establishing. Yeah, yeah. So on and so forth. Um so so anyhow, they say they love each other. No one in this room knows what's that what that is like because we no. have never said Gross. that to each other. Ugh. Um, and then, and then, you know, another chapter of lies, uh, is sort of, you know, sort of resolved, not really resolved though. Like Buffy comes into school and, and Willow and Xander are like, hey, Buffy, um, did Angel talk to you? Uh, and, and you can see that Buffy is visibly upset. I mean, yeah. But and and in the in the exchange, honestly, between Angel and Buffy too, she's sort of like, "This is a conspiracy. Like, what is going on?" And mm-hmm. that feeling, like, I've been there before, where you like find all your out, friends are talking about something yes, about you, and you, you don't know. Mm-hmm. That's a cutting thing. It really is. It, it goes deep. Um, and I, I don't think I ever had the experience of that happening when it was also surrounding somebody who I was in love with, where like somebody I was in love with and my friends yeah, were yeah. all. Um, on a particular page and had intentionally kept me out for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Um, And then Buffy gets locked in the dungeon. Locked in the dungeon. She's all like, you're all about to be the all-you-can-eat moron bar. You don't know anything about vampires. Then Ford's like, 
I have a nest of tumors liquefying my brain. <laughs> a phrase that has stuck with me since the first time I heard it. Yeah, which is why I laugh. Not about, I was not laughing at Ford's tumors. I was laughing at who I'm married to. And yeah. that, <laughs> you know yeah. the exact phrasing of that line. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so there's a big plot twist here mm-hmm. where, again, where what is bad and what is not bad. Um, certainly wanting to, and, and this is like taking a line from Buffy, but mass murder in exchange for your own life is never justifiable Mm-mm. um but it does add a layer of complexity to what ford is doing here ford's not just after this for fun ford knows that he has not very long to live um and so you know it's it's hard it's hard to view the character of ford now as only bad right Right. Um, Also, there's an interesting exchange between Ford and Buffy um, where she says, you know, he's like, I'm going to become a vampire. I'm going to become one of them. And she says, you know, that that isn't what happens. You die and a demon takes up a place in your body and remembers your life. But it is not you. Mm -hmm. And that's important. That's that's I think a piece of I don't know if you want to call it like the mythology or, or whatever, but. Um, you know, I, I just think it's important for us to remember, like, the the way that vampires are portrayed in this series right, as right. a whole, that, like, they're, when they are a vampire, they are not the person they were. Unless they've been re-insulted by Unless a curse. they've been re-insulted, of course. Also, so Spike gets there. <laughs> Spike arrives. And I always love a spike arrival. It's it's always done with, with <laughs> lots of fanfare. And the particular breed of fanfare we get in this episode is that he walks in, he looks at Chanterelle and grabs her choker and <laughs> rips it off of her body <laughs> and throws it on the floor for no reason. Yeah, that's... <laughs> well, no, actually, oh, I'm sorry. I just realized that the reason is, of course, that he has to feed off of her. Yeah, but like, it wasn't like the choker was taking up her whole neck. It was thick, but it wasn't right. that Right, his teeth would probably... I get but it, it's like... but like... Oh boy. We watched Planet Earth the other day and we watched a tiger eating part of a deer or something and the tiger kept getting like the fur in its mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so I picture Spike doesn't want that kind of humiliation, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, having yeah, yeah. a choker stuck to his yeah, yeah, tooth. Yeah. It's mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. It's a little so too embarrassing. much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and, and and then we see this moment where, you know, Chanterelle realizes, oh, fuck, I've been wrong. They right. all realize, oh, yeah, fuck. Yeah, and then... Every vampire is attacking every person. Yeah, one per body. And Buffy's like looking around like, oh, fuck. And then she sees up on the balcony one lone vampire. Not smart, Spike. Yeah, that's a big big gap in Spike's plan. Yeah, but it just seemed like foolproof, I guess, right? And like there were so many of them. Right. But he didn't, they didn't have, it wasn't like, you know, when you play football and you're like, okay, we're going to do this and then we're going to do that and then we're going to, they didn't have a plan. Not looking ahead, right, right, right. Yeah, they didn't get enough steps ahead of themselves. Also, perhaps he thought that Drusilla would be okay up on the balcony and didn't realize that Buffy could fly. Yeah, Buffy can (laughs) jump 20 feet up in the air. Sheesh, that jump. Yeah, well, you'll remember in um, The Harvest, maybe, when um, Buffy's leaving campus and Principal Flutie's like, leaving campus? And she's like, oh, no, never. And he locks the gate and then she jumps straight up over. Also, yes, I I remember that. I also remember the episode where we see Angel for the first time when Buffy jumps up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the way up to that pole above their heads. Does a handstand on a pole. Right, right, right. Buffy's powerful. Um, And of course... 
Buffy has Drusilla, and so nothing matters, you mm-hmm. know? And that, oh, I know. I love it. Oh, I love it, too. I love, I have, in all caps, Spike loves Drew, just written in my notebook. Yeah. Because I, it's just amazing, you know? I mean, Spike is has goals in life. He wants to kill the Slayer. It's really important to him. But nothing, nothing comes close to his feelings towards Drusilla. And so Drusilla is in danger. He's like, everybody get the fuck off and get the fuck out. Like, just mm-hmm. stop what you're doing. Um... And Buffy, I think, knowing that she is outnumbered, makes the decision to make this move where she gets everyone, almost everyone, out to safety, Mm -hmm. throws Drusilla at Spike, which is also interesting. Interesting that she doesn't just dust Drusilla. Does Drusilla leave and close the door, right? I think, you know what I think? I was thinking about this. I think it was like, uh, if she dusted Drusilla... She would have lost the time she'd need to get out the door and close it. I thought maybe it had something to do because you know Spike and and Buffy are establishing a relationship, Uh and I I did feel that that maybe it had to do with the fact that she said, "If you do this thing for me, I will do this thing for you." And if she had dusted Drusilla, it would have broken all manner of like trust between them, which sounds weird. But 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 she didn't lie. Ooh. Oh, snap. She did not. She did not lie. Um, And so she gets out, but she leaves Ford behind. So this is like the first Mm -hmm. time. Yeah. I mean, it's the first time that Buffy has some influence in a human being dying. Well, there are people she hasn't been able to save. Right. Right. Right, but this was the first time that it that it's very clear that she made the decision to leave yeah. him in there. And it's, again, here's another one of these fucking moments that's super layered because he says, Ford says in the Sunset Club, I'm not going to die, you know, having lost my hair, having lost my strength. Having, I don't want that, you know. Mm-hmm. So there is an element of, like, assisted – it's not assisted suicide, but it's assisted death here – for him and but it's it's there's just a lot there's a lot of pieces but it is the first time that she has a direct hand in a human being dying that is not just by her not saving them and that raises like some kind of morality question of course i mean gosh if you want to talk about morality debates there's a huge morality debate around assisted suicide and people being able to or not being able to have the ownership of their own person to say Mm -hmm. i would like to die now um Mm -hmm. when they're when they're super ill or suffering or what have you so you know not to put too too much on this but this is a big moment and it's given that space in the episode there's a lot of weight on the moment when buffy says we have to come back and they all say why and she says for the body or Mm. did she say for the body Mm -hmm. yeah with a little scratch on her head it's like it's real stuff and and this episode ends with, you know, it's it's sort of like the the episode ends with a scene that describes everything we've been seeing in the entire episode and right. in the entire series. It's a really pivotal moment when Ford, unbeknownst to us uh, as to why he is being buried in the Sunnydale Cemetery, but... Um, I wonder if Buffy went back for the body, buried him in the cemetery because in order for a vampire 
to oh. change. They have to be buried in consecrated uh, oh. dirt. I have no idea. And then waited so that he wouldn't be shipped home to his parents and become a vampire living in L.A. Right. That makes I sense. But now he's dust. So how are they going to explain that? Whatever. Difficult to say. One one day they'll make the series behind the scenes <laughs> and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, but this exchange between Giles and Buffy... It has to be one of the more meaningful exchanges in the series, right? It 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 underlines everything that is to come and that has even gone past in the series that nothing, that things are hard, that high school is fucking hard this time in your life when you're learning that it's not just good or bad. It's not just, you know, A or B, that things are really complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and Buffy is saying this, these words, you know, I, I can't tell anymore. I can't tell what's good and what's bad anymore. It, things are getting more confusing. And she asks mm-hmm. Giles, does it get, does it ever get easy? Right. And then Giles is like, what do you want me to say to that? And she says, lie to me. And he says, it's very simple. Yes. <laughs> the, the villains are always, you know, wearing like capes and, you know, I'm not, he doesn't say that, but, you know, he. he... Uh, how dare you? Oh. How dare you cast. Oh, capes? Yes. In such an unflattering light. <laughs> Sorry, Jenny. Um, but, you know, this is beautiful. It's really mm-hmm. beautiful, and, and we're going to see so much of this as the series continues of how do you tell what's good and how do you tell what's not good, and this is what we live in our day-to-day lives. Mm-hmm. It's just really beautiful. We're seeing all of these relationships that we've we've seen, like, built and developed. This network has expanded, and uh, the ropes that bind individuals to one another have thickened. Mm-hmm. And now that that foundation is established, we begin... To have reasons to call into question, what is this relationship and what does that relationship mean? And, right. and what, you know, what does it mean when this person lies yeah. to that person? Yeah, and- it's no longer there's a slayer and there's a vampire and it's very clear what needs to happen. Yeah. That has been tossed to the side and now we are in relationships where we don't know. We don't know what we want even, right? Because the big bad right now is Spike and Drusilla and I don't know how you all are feeling, but I surely do not want them to go away. No, I want them to stay forever. I want them to stay forever too. And that's hard. We're saying we love Spike and Drusilla's love, but their love is rooted in killing people. Yes, yes. It's hard. It's very hard. Um, Does it ever get easier, Kristen? What do you want me to say to you, Jenny? Lie to me. <laughs> lie, lie to me. Uh, yes, Jenny. It gets easier. Decisions become clear. Oh. You can tell who's good and who's bad. Thank you. And you'll be fine. <gasps> Hooray. The sky's clear. It sure is. What a journey we have to go on together. Can't wait for the rest of it. Thank you so much for listening. I am Jenny Owen Youngs, and when I'm not watching Buffy and making this podcast. I write songs and record them. You can hear some of them at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash buffering. And you can give me a shout on Twitter at JennyOwenYoungs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And when I'm not watching Buffy, I am helping LGBTQ young people and their families with my work at EveryoneIsGay.com and MyKidIsGay.com. If you'd like to know what's on my brain at all hours of the day, you can follow me on Twitter at Kristen Nolene, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. As we mentioned at the top of the show, we have two upcoming online buffering events. You can get all the info about our upcoming events as a duo or any upcoming events that we have individually by visiting bufferingthevampireslayer.com and clicking on events. Follow us on Twitter at bufferingcast or drop us an email at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. 
If you like what we do, there are three really great ways that you can support us. The first being that you can become a patron of ours over at patreon.com slash bufferingcast. You can become a $1, $5, or $10 a month patron, and there are super fun rewards for all of those levels. This week, our $10 patrons got a bonus mailbag episode. Our $5 patrons every week get the MP3 file of the song that we have recorded, and our $1 patrons this week got the spoiler delivered to them uh, $1 or more. Everyone on Patreon got to finally find out what Jenny spoiled during the live taping of Reptile Boy. So it's a very fun place to be um, if you can join us over there. Uh, If you don't have the funds to support us, that is totally cool. You can go on over to iTunes and leave us a review, especially if you like it. Um, And last (laughs) but certainly not least, we have a store which you can find by going to our website, bufferingthevampireslayer.com and clicking on store. We have t-shirts, we have enamel pins, we have all manner of fun things and you can go on over there and deck yourselves out to your Buffy heart (laughs) is content. Deck yourselves out. (laughs) Good gravy. Yeah. All right. Well, that about does it for us. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.
Attention, fans of fairy tales that are magical, hilarious, and grim. The award-winning Pinna original podcast, Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, has new episodes out now. While you've probably heard of the Brothers Grimm, you've never heard these tales told in quite this way. I'm Adam Gidwitz, best-selling and Newbery Honor author of Books for Children, and in Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, I share the real, weird, grim fairy tales with real, weird, hilarious kids. In each episode, you not only get to hear a story, but you also get to enjoy this group guessing what'll happen next, cracking jokes, and sharing their own perspectives on the tales. Also, heckling me. They love to heckle me. The episodes are rated on a scale from grim to grimmer to grimmest, so there's always a great variety of tales to explore with your family. You can listen to Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest now wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow the show so you don't miss new episodes. 